Ruth chapter 4, we're going to just take a look at the business of Boaz here, more of like his personal business and how he conducts himself and going through the steps to obtain Ruth as his wife and to take care of some other things. So Ruth chapter 4. In fact, let's read the last verse of chapter 3. Ruth chapter 4, or sorry, the last verse of chapter 3, and then we'll go right into chapter 4. Notice chapter 3, Naomi speaking to Ruth. She says, Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi that has come again out of the country of Moab selleth a parcel of land which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants, before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing, for to confirm all things... A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kileon's and Mahlon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Mahlon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Your witnesses this day, and all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that has come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in Ephrathah, and be thou fam- be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like that, be like the house of Pharez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed of which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. Verse 13, So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. We'll stop there. So here we see some business uh, taking place. How many... Now, my, my boys um, and my girls, when they were in the house, learned a little business in our house. And where do you learn some business, Noah? See, he wasn't paying attention. Mom teaches you a little bit of business uh, savvy. Huh? 
On OfferUp is one place, yeah. Johnny's doing, I've taught Johnny a little bit how to do stuff on OfferUp and Facebook Marketplace, and he's learning that. Where else? Where else might you learn a little business in our home? Doing chores, yeah. All right. John? Huh? What's? Goodwill. Okay, he's learning a little business at Goodwill. Okay. Uh, Grant? Where do you learn? Are you learning a little business practice at our house? Recycle. That's working, yeah. Okay. Jimmy, how about you? Nobody is saying what I want them to say. There's one. Well, they are saying they are, but there's one particular thing in mind. In the kitchen, you learn a little business, yeah. So what do you learn when you buy for like two bucks a pack of water and then you get ready to sell it on Friday or Saturday morning garage sale? That's business. <laughs> what about when you guys bake cookies and then you get them ready? Of course, mom's like, I bought all the ingredients, you know, and then you sell them the next day at a garage sale. And sometimes the garage sales where they're learning a little business practices. My four oldest got, I think, a little more enthusiastic into that. We even have a picture of them doing it. I should show you this picture. They have like, you know they, when they do a picture and then they redo a picture when you're older? I don't know what they call that. But my kids did that for my, my wife and gave it to her Mother's Day. And there's like three pictures of the four, the first four when they were little. And they went around and they duplicated those same pictures in almost the same spots. It's funny. But, you know, my kids learn a little business at a, at a garage sale. You know, buy and sell. Um, and sometimes even like we do, there's bulk trash in Gilbert in our neighborhood. And sometimes people are like, that's pretty, that's pretty good stuff they're putting out there. I mean, don't get another mattress or anything. That's a little gross. But my kids would be like, there's a nice bike over there. And I think one of them got a bike one time and brought it over, cleaned it up. And I think by the end of the day, they took this bike out of somebody's bulk trash, brought it over, cleaned it up. By the end of the day, they sold it on OfferUp. Who did that? You? He sold it on offer. You don't have to tell us your profit. That's personal business. There. Okay. But he did by the end of the day. He listed it, sold it on offer up. And uh, he's pretty happy about it. Learn a little business. That's why you said offer up, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. So he remembers. All right. So Boaz is doing a little business here. We'll talk about business a little bit more here. And then we're going to talk about three, uh, three uh, points of his example, three descriptions of his good example here and how he carries out this task of he had to go through some steps to obtain his wife, and it was, it was a legal thing. And so uh, he did that. You know, the Bible says Joseph did business in Potiphar's house in Genesis 39. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 22, 29, a man diligent in business. You seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall not stand before, or he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men, the average men. If you're diligent in your business, you're above the average. Uh, Jesus went about his father's business, even as a 12-year-old. Daniel did the king's business. It's interesting, in this scenario here, Boaz is dealing with a guy that came through the gate, speaking to him, and um, he had to deal with a, a land situation. And there was a stipulation on buying this land. Has anybody ever got really interested in buying some land? Anybody? All right, I know some Burtons have, all right? Yeah, all the Burtons raised their hand. Yeah, still looking for some, aren't you? You got to watch out for the fine print on what's, what's up with this land. Is there toxic waste buried somewhere? Is there a, a lien on it? All these legal stuff. Well, uh, there's actually, I know a Baptist church in the valley here. It, uh, and it, it's interesting. They, 
if he, the, the pastor of it said, I said something about the property in the future because it's in an area where you could actually have a good Spanish ministry. And he said, this church will always be a Baptist church, this property. It's not a lot of property, and it's not in a new area. He says, it will always be a Baptist church. I said, well, how's that? He goes, well, it's on the, like the warranty deed. And so I actually looked it up, and it says I read the original deed, and like in the early 60s, some couple, a Baptist couple, sold it to this particular Baptist church, and they put a stipulation on it when they bought it. Well, they bought it for like $10, you know, and because uh, it was basically a donation. And the stipulation was it's always going to be a Baptist church, or it says another like independent church, and it may be referring to an independent Baptist because it also named the Southern Baptist. So it basically says, he, the pastor said, this church will always, this particular property always has to be a Baptist church. Even if I'm gone or it becomes something else, he goes, otherwise, in the, and I read the rest of the, otherwise it will immediately, if it changes, it will immediately go back to, the title will go back to the uh, heirs or whoever is assigned to the assets of this couple that's probably deceased by now. There's a land stipulation on that. I don't mind that land stipulation. That's not a bad one to have it like that, you know. And so, well, yeah, he's dealing with land, and there's a big clincher on this land deal. Okay, so we're going to read about that. All right, but let's look here about Boaz. Boaz is a man, number one, we'll look at these three points. You can go to the next point or the next picture. He's a man of compliance, you'll see. He's a man of confirmation and a man of companionship. Let's just look at those three points tonight as we go about our text here. He is, he's showing some compliance, some legal compliance. Notice what it says, chapter 4, verse 1. What does Boaz do? Boaz goes up to the gate and sat him down there. Now, going up to the gate, you're like, so what? Going up to the gate. This is kind of like an official, in this day and age, going to the gate was an area where they did business. They did legal transactions. Usually, the, one of the rulers of the city was there. The elders, the, kind of like the councilmen would, would meet there. You know, lot sat in the gate of Sodom. He was part of the leadership of Sodom. Uh, there's other scriptures that show at the gate of the cities where things get done. And so that's where he goes. He's going to go do business and be kind of like, let's go to city hall type of thing. Um, and so that's what he does. He's going up to the gate. Uh, according to the law, he needed to get there to speak to somebody because people are passing in and out at the gate also. And he's waiting for this guy to come by. What, what is Boaz there for? Why is he waiting for some guy to come by? Because he's interested in marrying Ruth, but he can't because legally there's a, there's a kinsman who's closer relation to that family that has the first right to marry her and buy this land that Naomi wants to sell. And so he's waiting there. He's going about the right steps. The law calls for this procedure to be done. And he sees the guy. He says, oh, hey, such a one. Come on over here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe it was like cousins or something. Hey, how's it going, man? I don't know what their relation was, but this other guy was closer to Elimelech, Ruth's father-in-law, than he was. Okay? And so he calls him. Come on over here. Come on over here. Sit down. Sit down. And then he does the legal thing. Hey, he gets 10 elders. Come on over here, guys. Come on over here. Gets them all to sit down. It's creating a, a, like a quorum of like an illegal body where they're all going to hear and see and things are going to get confirmed and 10 other, 10 other ears, uh, 20 I guess, besides these two. All right? And so he brings these other guys together. Boaz, maybe this is the guy here, brings him around, calls for the other elders to come around. They all sit down and he gets, uh, he gets to the right place at the right, pl- right time with the right type of assembly. This isn't some kind of back alley deal. He's doing the right thing. 
He speaks plainly and completely, but he speaks in two parts, it looks like. He starts telling this guy, he says, hey, you know, our brother Elimelech, that means our relative, brother can kind of be generic, our relative, our brother Elimelech, you know, uh, his wife has come back from, the, from Moab and, and she's got a little property, but she's selling it. Now, when you're selling property, that's a sign that you're probably poor. It's interesting in Israel, and this, the way this was laid out, you can always own property pretty much forever. And if you ever sold property in Israel, you could get it back for free 50 years later at least, or at most. 50 years later, you would get it right back. That's a whole other study. It's a jubilee thing. So, um, but anyway, she needed the money, so she was going to sell the current parcel that she had and, and, um, and get a little money because she was poor. Plus, it's like, I can't work this land, you know? And for whatever, maybe she's funding the rest of her retirement. I don't know what she's doing. But here's, here's Boaz speaking on behalf of, of her. And, uh, and he says, hey, uh, you, know, you know, Naomi, uh, uh, she's going to sell this land. And, and I would like to buy it, but I thought it advertised to you that you could buy it. And, and uh, if you can redeem it, redeem it for yourself. And, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, let, let, you can do this. He goes, I'll buy it. I'll redeem it. And he goes, oh, but... but <laughs> The day you buy it, here's the land stipulation. When you buy this land, you also need to buy it of the hand of Ruth, the Moabitess, the daughter-in-law, who's also a widow, and her husband was, is in this family here. And that, in other words, to translate what he said, he says, if you want to buy this land that you just said you want to buy, you also have to buy it of the hand of this Moabitess widow, and that basically obligates you to marry her and have kids by her, and those kids get to inherit what her former husband's, deceased husband's family's assets. Those kids get to inherit that, the kids that you have by her. So they get to inherit this land that you just bought. They get to inherit. Not your, if you have other kids, they don't get that. The kids that you have by her get that. You, in other words, you buy the land, give the, the money to Naomi, you buy it, you marry Ruth, you have children by Ruth, and the children get the land. And they get to proceed on. You say, that's not too bad. Now, polygamy was not commended, but it was tolerated in this day. This guy may have already been married. Okay, He may have already had kids because he says, I can't do that. Lest I mar mine own inheritance. Somehow it would have drawn, he would have had to take out of his current inheritance by this, marry her, have children, and they would take it, but then his other kids that would inherit from it, like, what? Taken from our inheritance for this, and they have no benefit. It, was, it threw his whole scenario off. So the guy, this is how I'm understanding it. This guy says, well, I can't do this then. I, I, can't, I can't buy it. He says in verse 6, I can't redeem it. But here's what this guy does. The focus here is Boaz. He tells him, he goes to the right place with the right assembly, with the right man. He tells all the facts. He's a man of compliance. He's doing what the law calls for. Now, I don't want to go hyper on this thing. There's, a, there's coming a day, and there might be already a day right now, where we, don't, we shouldn't obey law. There's sometimes laws that, that, that need to be disobeyed, and I don't think there's that many of them right now. But especially as it pertains to gospel, preaching the gospel, giving the gospel, that's when you say, I'm not going to comply. But if it's things like speed limit and tax codes and things like that, that come on. Or business license, you gotta. I know it's can be a it can be a whole uh, nest of stuff, but you know we have to do things rightly and legally, like Boaz. 
We're told to not be slothful in business, but fervent in spirit serving the Lord. The Bible says that you know, we shouldn't be cut in corners or neglect to observe the ordinance of man, as it says in 1 Peter 2.13. And if we do neglect to observe the ordinance of man, we can't expect God to bless us. You know, um, He will bless those, I think, that honor that, honor His commands there. Aren't you glad on this note? This is a man of compliance. He's a picture of Jesus. Jesus transacted perfectly. Jesus transacted perfectly legal according to the law, the whole Word of God. He transacted perfectly. He went through the courts of Pilate and was examined of him, and of Herod and was examined of him, and the Jews and was examined of him. And they found in him no fault at all, except he said he was the Son of God. They found him no fault at all. And then he didn't go up to a gate. He went through a gate outside the city, up a hill, on Mount Calvary, and perfectly fulfilled the demands of the law for us. He complied with all the demands of the law for us, and he was crucified for us. Jesus is a man of compliance, propitiating for our sins as a spotless lamb of God. And now you see, so that's what Jesus was. Now you see another point about Boaz. What else is he? A man of confirmation. So he's coming up here and he does a business deal, but he wants to confirm it, make sure everybody knows. So look, look with the rest of the story. Verse 6. The man says, ah, verse 6, I can't, I can't redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou thy right to my, to thy, my right to thyself, or I can't redeem it. <clears throat> now look at verse 7. Some of us are going to be like, this sounds weird. Now this was a manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing for to confirm all things. A man plucked off his shoe, gave it unto his neighbor. This is a testimony in Israel. So here's what happens. The, the kinsman speaks back to Boaz and says, I can't do it. And the kinsman goes, there you go. Hands him the shoe. That's kind of weird, huh? Is that weird? Like some of you boys are like, that's not weird at all. I lose a shoe all the time. And I'm always losing shoe. I don't know. But he plucked off the shoe. I mean, I've been to some notaries, like the bank, you know, pull out the thing, bring out their special stamp. Sign it. Can I see your driver's license, please? Yeah. And then they do this little thing. And so what are you buying? That's none of your business. No, just kidding. And so, uh, you know, they notarize documents and things like that. And, and, but this is quite, this is an unusual notarization here. Here you go. It's notarized. And so it's a receipt. It's a leather receipt. I wonder if he was like, okay, here you go. I don't know if it smelled or what, you know. But Boaz has got this leather receipt, this, this shoe. And um, he's getting it confirmed. It's like, all right, we're making this legal. I got all the guys around the tent here. I got uh, you and I and all the people. And he's like, you see that, you people? You see that? He waves it up. I purchased the land from Naomi, and I've purchased Ruth to be my wife. You all witnesses. Yeah, that's, yes, sir. We're all witnesses. And may God bless your family and all that. He gets it confirmed. You know, there's a certain amount of wisdom in taking the wisdom of having a receipt sometimes. It's okay to have to confirm something. You ever have something? You never paid for that. Well, nowadays they can just pull up a you know a charge card that you did before. Uh, but it's good to think through how do I you know whenever you make a large purchase, maybe you're doing cash. Ah, you might want to get a receipt on that nowadays. To confirm something, a signed copy of something, a notarization. If you sell a vehicle to another person. You might want to go down there and get that notar notarized, a bill of sale, that you can write up your own bill of sale and get somebody to notarize it, and you and the other person 
Might be a wise thing when you have a big purchase, you know, to confirm things. My father-in-law one time, he had uh, my sister-in-law, Bethany, had this Buick. It was like a tan Buick. And um, I think, I don't know if it was a two or four door, but it was, a, it was kind of a smaller car. And uh, she had it had in, in, I remember she had, I think, in her first year or two of college. And Dave and Deb, I think, even rode in it with her to Tri-City while Beth went to college. But as far as I understood, that was actually, I think that was in, um, I don't know if that was actually in Bethany's name or Pastor Roy's name, but here's what happened. She had the vehicle and she went to sell it. Pastor Roy helped her sell it at some point, maybe after a couple years. When he sold this vehicle, um, some guy bought it. And uh, I don't think the guy had legal status. And uh, he bought the vehicle. And Pastor Roy, I think, just signed over the title or had the title signed over to him. And then he had this, the, the registration that you, paper registration you have in your glove box with your insurance. He said, wait a minute. He had got the guy's full name, full address, and everything like that. And then he gave him the title. The guy gave him the cash. And Pastor Roy retained his information on the back of this registration form. The guy took off. And uh, the guy took off. And then Pastor Roy took that, because it says, I don't, again, I don't know if they still have this. You can do this online now. If you ever sell your vehicle, fill this out. Well, he filled it out and he put it in the mail saying, I'm no longer the owner of this. Even though the title's not transferred, the registration shows it's now, I sold it to this person. It's not mine registered as mine anymore. And he put it in the mail. And Pastor Roy told me like maybe a couple months later, he gets a bill in the mail from the city of Chandler. This is when they lived in Chandler. Of He needs to pay the, he needs to pay the damages for this light pole that got demolished. He's like, what is this? Why it's such and such Buick that you own, and so he he looked into it. Maybe went to City Hall or whatever, and they said, "Well, you your car was run into this light pole and it damaged this light pole and destroyed it. So you need to pay the bill." He goes, "It's not my car." Somehow they pulled up maybe the license or some other information that showed his or Miss Beth's name on there, and he says, "Check the DMV. I sent in the paperwork that says that day we're no longer the owner, and they did, and he got out of it." He didn't have to pay that. He's confirming something, and it saved him some money, right? It's, not, it's a wise thing to do. Now, here's a guy. He's going through the right steps. He's, getting, he's doing the right legal steps of compliance. He gets, this, he gets this land cleared to buy it, and this woman cleared to marry her. And he's like, everybody see that? Mm-hmm. We see it. And he goes his way. You know what? By the way, it's always good. You always have a good conscience when you do things the right way. You to have a good conscience, you know. That way, if two, if two men in black suits knock on your door, it's like, well, they must be upset because I'm preaching the gospel. It shouldn't be my tax issue. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's, he's confirming things, and that's a good thing. The Lord Jesus Christ is a man of confirmation. He went to the cross. He claimed to be the Son of God. He goes to the cross. He dies. He goes to the tomb, and he comes out. An empty tomb confirmed it. And five, 12 disciples who saw it confirm it. Who took it to their death, and four or five hundred people who saw him at once confirmed. Oh, yeah. Jesus made sure that the most important thing about him was confirmed. Yes, he claimed to be the Son of God, but that empty tomb confirms it. Those disciples, and even the, just, the, just, well, just the way the scriptures are written, shows some confirmation. And the fact that the earnest of his spirit is in our heart 
confirms it till the day of our redemption of our, this purchased possession. He's confirmed his work for us. He's left a legitimate confirmation of his blood sacrifice to purchase our soul. That's how the Lord Jesus Christ is. Boaz is a picture of him. But also he's a picture of him in this companionship. Boaz is a man of companionship. Notice again, simple thoughts here. Um, verse 10, Boaz says, Moreover, he's saying this to everybody out there. He said, you know, I bought the property and everything, the land. But he says to everybody, Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, have I, uh, the wife of Mahlon, have I purchased to be my wife. Look what it says again in verse 13. He took Ruth and she was his wife. His business wasn't just all business. He loved this lady. You know, it wasn't just about pursuing uh, some property and getting some wealth. This guy, had, this guy had some wealth already, remember? He already has wealth. It wasn't like, oh, I need more. He's like, no big deal, I'm after her. He's a man of companionship. He, but he was pursuing righteousness legally a loving relationship with Ruth. His wealth can buy possessions and land, but the apple of his eye was this widowed foreigner whom he wanted to take up, clear her legal obligations if she had any, and step in. Step in to take the one whom the other Redeemer refused. That's like the Lord Jesus Christ for us. He did business on the cross. All the, you know, the cross was a legal thing that happened. He's righteously fulfilling the law, the demands of the law of our punishment for us on the cross. But Jesus is also doesn't just want ours, but us. He, he, for the Lord Jesus Christ, there was joy set before him. Not the joy of having more land and more wealth, because he is wealthy, but the joy of our companionship. You know, Jesus said that he says, if, if a man loved me, my father and I will come and Make our abode with him. In other words, Jesus wants, he wants our love back to him. He wants companionship. He says, I'll make my abode with you. The 2 Corinthians 11.2, Jesus is, says we're espoused to him. He's espoused us to himself. Ephesians 5.25-27, he's loved the church and gave himself for it that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. Jesus buys foreigners. He buys whom other, other people reject. With his great currency, his blood, steps in, settles our problems, our debts, and takes his bride. He's not really after things, but me. Sometimes it's easier to give, just give the Lord things than to give him my attention. Ah, it's just easier to just throw something at the Lord or give him the Lord, you know. But he wants my heart, he wants my attention, he wants my affection. That's what he's after. He's got all... <laughs> I, I tithe and I do all that stuff, but you know what? He owns all the stuff. He wants me. He wants you. That's what he wants. So a couple questions. Does he have you? Again, here's a picture of Christ, a man of companionship. Does he have your companionship? That's what he wants. You know, what are we going to be all called at the end of Revelation? The business partners of Jesus. Nope. The bride, he gets us all beautified in his city. Wow. Yeah. We're going to be able to see his face. God himself will dwell among us. Does he have you? And then does your business on a kind of more of a human level, does our business transact like this, this good example here? This is a wise example for us. 